You are listening to WRBH Reading Radio for the Blind. This is the Public Affairs Show. I am Carl Arredondo, former chief meteorologist of Channel 4. I am now a certified orientation and mobility specialist. I have a vision impairment. I have retinitis pigmentosa, and I walk with a white cane. On today's episode of the Public Affairs Show, I'm happy to bring in Michael Newcomer. He's one of three founders of the Crescent City Stage, and we're going to talk more about that as we get into this. But first, I want to thank you, Michael, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Now, first, let's give all the listeners a little bio of who you are, where you're from, where you went to school, and all that kind of information. Let us know who you are. Sure, sure. So I'm Michael Newcomer. Uh, I'm actually uh, a WRBH reader from uh, pre-pandemic time, so happy to be back and excited to uh, continue that journey. Um, I ended up in New Orleans. I married a New Orleans girl, uh, and about a month after I met her, uh, it was ominously said to me that New Orleans girls always go home, uh, and so I've ended up here. Uh, I'm a military kid. Uh, I grew up all over the world following my dad as he served uh, the arm in the Army for 25 years, uh, but my family is originally from Western Pennsylvania, uh, which I've never lived in uh, because we lived everywhere else, uh, and I've lived on both coasts, New York, L.A., Portland, Atlanta, all over the United States, traveling around as an actor. Uh, and I've been in New Orleans since 2015 now. So here we are. Okay. So, and I, I've met, I know what you're saying because when I moved here in '91, I, you know, I've been married twice, and both were New Orleans girls. And you know, you don't leave when you marry somebody. So I've been here 31 years, and right. this is kind of home now for me. Sure. So I can't imagine going anywhere. But first, um, tell us a little bit about. What the Crescent City stage is for anyone who doesn't know. Explain the concept and what it's about and what you all do. Sure. So in uh, January, February of 2020, uh, Yana Mastecki, Elizabeth Elkins, newcomer, and myself uh, had this vision to create uh, a new uh, theatrical model in New Orleans. Uh, and that model was based on the idea that we wanted to create an environment where artists could have a sustainable wage. Uh, have an opportunity to uh, earn health insurance, pension credits towards their future as actors, artists uh, in the theater profession. Uh, and we spent uh, about a year leading up to that January, February, talking about the space that existed in New Orleans for that. There aren't a lot of sustaining wage theater jobs. And then March of 2020 happened, and we had to pivot immediately from our grand vision of doing live theater. So from 2020 to 2022, we pivoted online. Uh, we did eight virtual readings, uh, some fundraisers for local charities, and were able to engage artists from all over the country to continue to hone and develop our mission. And our vision is to elevate the theater artist through the transformative power of theater and storytelling, at the same time being a reflective mirror of society and the stories that we tell. And to do that right here in New Orleans, which is arguably the cultural hub of the South. Uh, but it doesn't really have a sustaining wage nonprofit theater model. And that's where Crescent City Stage comes in. So the three co-founders were all union members, uh, and we come from a, a, a line of actors and artists that want to have it as our career and not just a hobby or something that we do in our off time. And we found uh, all three of us that that just didn't exist. And so we thought, oh, this is a great marketplace to have that enter. 
and Crescent City Stage was born out of that. Having the pandemic was great because it allowed us to develop the foundations for it. We have our 501c3 designation with the IRS. We got that last summer. We were able to put in place all of the business components to run a proper nonprofit business in the city. And now, post-pandemic, hopefully, in the fall, we'll be able to do what we set out to do in February of 2020, and that's produce our inaugural live season on stage for folks to come see. Okay. Um, before we go any further, my, before my next question, uh, I want to give the listeners a chance to write down or jot down the contact information, how to reach you guys. So right here, let's uh, first start off with uh, how do people contact the Crescent City Stage or you if they want more information or as we get into it, maybe possibly help with the uh, program. Sure. So the first thing is our website, www.crescentcitystage.com, just as it sounds. You can email crescentcitystage at gmail.com. You can email michael at crescentcitystage.com, M-I-C-H-A-E-L. You can email Liz at CrescentCityStage.com or Yana, J-A-N-A, at CrescentCityStage.com. On the website, we also have a newsletter that we'd love for you to sign up for to uh, be in the know of when things are coming out and rolling out. But our website has a pretty robust background of who we are uh, as co-founders and then what we're uh, offering starting in July and then through the fall and into our inaugural season. Okay. One question I had, and it just kind of popped into my head just now, is that so uh, you talked about union wages. How does it differ from the SAG-AFTRA union? Is that something different? Is it related, not related? Because I'm familiar with SAG-AFTRA working in the broadcast sure. industry. We belong to SAG-AFTRA. And, and so how does that differ, relate, similar? Explain that to me. I think they're similar in the sense that they represent um, artists. Uh, they're they're both entertainment unions in that regard. Um, so I think the the major difference is SAG-AFTRA is about double the size of membership. Currently, SAG-AFTRA is about 110,000. Uh, Actors Equity is about 51,000. So there, there's a huge difference in the size of the union. And I think the the sort of top-down major financial difference is that uh, – Television and movies have a substantially larger amount of money in the pot to pull from for their uh, crews and production, et cetera. Theaters tend to have a smaller amount. So the the wages are, are different uh, in the sense that uh, Actors' Equity are weekly. SAG can be daily, weekly, you know, per episode, per picture, et cetera. Um, and we're still uh, sort of in that, that phase of looking at theater arts uh, in the same way that we look at television and film arts or even broadcasting to some degree, uh, where it is uh, truly a, a set of workers that perform the task. Oftentimes, theater is thought of as uh, kind of a hobby or a passing thing that people do because they enjoy it, whereas we would never look at our television. We wouldn't look at our meteorologists and ask them to do the weather every night as a hobby, right? It's a profession. It's training. You've got education and schooling, et cetera. So I think the big difference is that just the money that's available to the industry, uh, SAG is just way bigger to the tune of hundreds of millions of more dollars. Um, but they both represent entertainers and uh, in, in the entertainment industry. Okay. And um, I, I, we chatted about this just briefly uh, before we started the interview. Uh, to me, theater work seems just so much more difficult because, as we talked about, memorization of the lines. I mean, TV, you're doing a scene, cut, you know, redo it. But in theater, you, you can't actually redo it. It's live and continuous. That's right. 
and just to that, you know, ba uh, you know, boggles my mind that you have to memorize and keep that dialogue in your head constantly right. throughout a live performance and nightly. I had a, um, and I was doing a show in Seattle, Washington, and it was opening night. And usually there's some sort of soiree or party. And uh, this uh, audience member came up to me after the show and a very lovely gentleman. And he said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. And he goes, uh, how do you... How do you memorize all of those lines? Which, you know, by the way, is the number one question actors get. And I said, I said, well, let me let me ask you this instead of answering. Well, what do you do for a living? And he said, uh, he said, I'm, I'm just a heart surgeon. And I, I laughed and I said, well, how do you remember where the heart is? And he sort of looked at me dubiously and he laughed because what well, I mean. It's, it's what I do. And my response was, it's what I do. I think, you know, when people people talk about acting um, in the sort of ethereal, subjective way, right? What is acting? I don't know. I couldn't give you a definition of it. But I think the people who are people who 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 can successfully memorize lines and recite them and bring them to life night after night tend to be on the actor side, people, everybody wants to be an actor, but to ha you have to have that skill set, which then, of course, plays into the worker, right? That you, you you can't just do it accidentally. Memorizing the lines is part of the job. And so if you can't memorize the line, unfortunately, you can't do that job. It seems to us as actors, it's just what we do. It's part of the nature of the process. But I, from the outside, it's the number one question we get asked. The great thing, and we were talking about this before, the great thing about TV and film you memorize it, uh, you shoot it on a Monday, and then Tuesday you forgot about what you did on Monday and you get to do something new on Tuesday. In theater, you got to do it for six, seven, eight weeks. Uh, and part of the craft is being able to keep it alive and fresh every night because the audience is new and fresh every night. Sure. Um, now, speaking of performances, talk about your upcoming productions, which you've got coming up. I think you have one coming up this fall. Yes. So we uh, we're, our season of shows starts with Pantomime by Derek Walcott. Uh, and we are uh, excited to announce that we'll be in residence at Loyola Marquette Theater, uh, which is in Marquette Hall uh, on the Loyola campus. Uh, so Pantomime will be uh, in September, September 8th to September 25th. And then we'll do a production of Cry It Out by Molly Smith Metzler uh, that will open at the end of January 2023 and run through February 2023. And then in March, we're really excited to partner with uh, Tulane University and Dr. Proctor, uh, who's a professor in the theater department, on a project called Eight Othellos. And what that project will be um, is a uh, using a scene from Othello with eight different actors to look at uh, cross-casting in gender and race with Othello and Iago. And what does that do in the story? Does it change the story? What kind of conversations come up with that? So that'll be in March. Dates to be determined on that because there's a lot of moving parts. Um, so we're excited about those three th shows. But then we also have CCS Studio, Crescent City Stage Studio which is our professional training series that we're, we launched virtually during the pandemic, and now we get to launch it live and in person. So July of this year, this summer, we are doing a scene study and monologue intensive, and those will be Monday and Wednesday nights in July. And then that will be ongoing as we see kind of fitting it into the schedule with the holidays, et cetera. Um, but we're excited for those classes to partner with the Actors Apothecary on Britannia, which is a uh, woman in queer-owned, new um, taping, auditioning, coaching, 
studio space uh, that just opened up in the past six months or so, um, which uh, we've we've not had anything like that to go to as actors. So okay, and right now, give out your contact information again if people just got the pencil and paper ready. Sure. So we're all on all the social channels: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn at Crescent City Stage, uh, and then our website is www.crescentcitystage.com. All of the news that's fit to print is on there, uh, and there's also a sign-up form and also a contact form if you have a question or want to volunteer. There's also a donation button, uh, and then you can also email crescentcitystage at gmail.com or michael at crescentcitystage.com uh, if you have any questions or thoughts. So your productions are going to be at different locations that you arrange with, or do you have one specific base that you have a, a building, that you have a stage or a home base, or your production is going to be at different locations? Yes, yeah, so we are we are in residence for our productions at uh, Marquette Theater on the Loyola campus. If you don't know that, it's um, the horseshoe of Loyola, and there's the big, beautiful Marquette Hall. Uh, there is a theater uh, on, the, on the second floor on the left, which... And don't anybody email me and correct me because I might get this wrong, but I believe it was the old dental operating theater when it was a dental school. And you could sit in the theater and then watch the operations on the stage through an observation room. And then in the 80s, I believe, they converted it into a proper proscenium theater. And so Crescent City Stage will be in residence there, uh, hopefully for the next several years uh, as we continue to develop our organization uh, and partner with Loyola and the theater arts and dance department. Um, and so that, that's where we'll be in residence. And then our studio classes will be in residence at the Actors Apothecary on Britannia. So we're lucky to have two homes, uh, one for each of the facets of our season. And I suspect that those relationships will develop and grow and our seasons will grow as we are able to do live things now. I mean, we, this has really been two years in the making. So we're, we're starting off slow, but hopefully ramping up and being in residence at those spaces. Awesome. And I noticed on your website, you explain different ways that uh, us people can just support you at your program in the Crescent City stage. I saw that you can uh, support by donating, buying tickets to the production, uh, artist support, and corporate sponsorship. Talk about each one of those a little bit. Sure. So the, the easiest thing is the donation. Uh, as a non, uh, 501c3 nonprofit, um, you know, as as all nonprofits, they rely on the the kindness and generosity of those who believe in the mission uh, to provide the financial resources um, to do the things that we're doing. Um, so the donation button is there. It's on every page, uh, and you know, it's it's tax deductible as allowed by law. Contact your financial advisor. All of that jazz. Uh, and then the other ways to get involved are buy tickets. Come see the shows, right? So the tickets generate revenue. That revenue goes right back into the business model, which provides those sustaining wages. So having people in the audience to see our shows, and hopefully you like what you see, and then you keep coming back. Uh, and then the other opportunity to get involved is through uh, sponsorships, partnerships, collaborations. So we we want to think of our theater company as an integral part of the community in which we exist. So uh, we think of sponsorships as putting a name on a building, and then uh, it's the dot, dot, dot building. Uh, or we think of... Um, doing a big ad uh, on a billboard or in a newspaper as a sponsorship. And while those are all great for brand identity, uh, I don't know that you could drive around town and really see anything that has to do with theater in those components, 
right? Part of it is because we don't have a brick and mortar, so we can't put a big sign on Marquette Hall that says Crescent City Stageless here at the university won't let us do this. So we're, we're looking for long-term sustainable relationships with local businesses that believe in theater arts, believe in the sustaining wage model, believe in creating a diverse and safe environment in which to create this art. Uh, and that could be with a, a local bank, it could be with a baker, it could be any business that wants to have its name associated with what we're trying to do. And what that collaboration looks like is another art form that we're excited to go down. I don't know. It could be anything. Uh, it could be an in-kind donation. It could be money. It could be putting your name on it. But it could also be a collaboration of resources. Um, uh, an example is uh, if there's a, a production that we're doing that is by a, a celebrated author where we have we co collaborate with a book bookstore or bookshop for instance and that author's books and works are brought to sort of the window front in Crescent City stage as a part of that as a cross sort of brand awareness so i think theater in general uh, in this town um, is maybe the least thought of of the art forms. And what we're hoping to do is kind of elevate that. And by doing, by elevating it, it also means that we need to have community engagement. And so the door is open to any of those conversations. I love talking about what we're trying to do. I love the idea that it's happening in New Orleans because I think this model of nonprofit theater doesn't exist anywhere. And post-pandemic, now's the opportunity to to have something brand new and figure it out. And so sponsorships, relationships, partnerships will afford us the opportunity to have that financial footing that doesn't rely so heavily on the individual donor, um, you know, especially when inflation is high and things cost more. There's, there's less money to go around. And so how do we capitalize on other relationships uh, and sponsorships? Donations do that. So if anyone is listening out there and you know a business or somebody that might want to get involved in this, you certainly want to pass that word on to them about the Crescent City stage. Now, one thing I liked about your donation button was that you explained what some of the amounts would go to. Yes. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yes. You know, $15 does this, 60 Yes. Tell, tell a little bit about that. Well, I, I want to say something funny because I probably – I don't want to bore the audience, but uh, my uh, co-founder, Yana, shared a – a meme of a, a fundraiser. It's like a PTA fundraiser, uh, and it was like a, a donation form, and it's it, it said something along the lines of you know fifteen dollars uh, because you completely forgot about this fundraiser, twenty five dollars because you can't be bothered to bake, it takes too much time, $50 because you need to stop asking me for money, and $100 because I forgot the last three years to give you money. It's just a really clever mm -hmm. way. And we, you know, two years ago when we were thinking about donations, we thought, how do we, how do we make sure that people understand that what we're doing is um, specific to the notion that we want to raise money and this is how we're going to spend it, right? We're a nonprofit, so our, our financials are public. You can go and research them uh, and find out how, where our money goes and how we spend it. And it's, it was important to us that our um, ask of people meant something. And so what we did was we created a representative list, right? So $15 is a minimum hourly wage. Um, $60 is four hours of babysitting for a parent artist. So we want to bring into our fold parents who have children 
who oftentimes have to leave the the industry because the industry doesn't pay enough to pay for the babysitter, and therefore it's actually costing you money to do it. Um, to so the the donation list is a representative of actual expenses for things. How much does it cost? to hire an actor at a sustaining wage of $15 an hour to work for six weeks to do your production, and that's $4,400. So if you wanted to donate $4,400, you know that you are supporting an actor in this six-week journey. Um, and it was, and we've gotten really great feedback about it. And, and it's interesting to watch people be very specific about how they donate because then they know that $60 is the great example of, of uh, child care. I know that now there's $60 that a parent artist can have four hours of babysitting for. Now, yes, we need hundreds of more of those donations, but the point is, is that to your point, it, I think it's a really uh, transparent way of, of us saying to our community, look, we, we, we're trying really hard to do what we've set out to do, uh, and this is a way to do that by being transparent. And I think that's great because most times when you go to a page to donate, you don't know where your money's going or how it's divided up. So that was a great thing that I, I read, and we chatted about that the other day on the phone. And mm -hmm. I think that's great that people can see exactly you know, what their money's going to go to. Now, in the uh, about five minutes or so that we have left, um, what else do you want to tell us about Crescent City Stage? Anything that you know you still want to mention to our listeners? Sure. I think I, I think the nuance and the the sort of background of how we've come to be and where we are. The, the end of the day, we're a theatrical organization that wants to produce plays. And we hope that what we program is entertaining, innovative, interesting, uh, and perhaps more importantly, it's truly reflective of this incredibly diverse community in which we exist. So that, um, you know, maybe you come see a show that you know nothing about, but you see somebody on that stage that looks like you or talks like you or sounds like you, uh, or you come and you're surprised by a story that hits home. Um, and that doesn't mean everything is going to be, you know, serious and maudlin. It's funny, entertaining, uh, enjoyable. We want you to come Give us a give us a shot. Give us a chance to show you that the this nonprofit model, which it doesn't exist, and so we're we're making it up as we go. But it's founded in the principles of every vibrant um, uh, uh, cultural city in the country has a strong theatrical component to it. And so, New Orleans, um, the pandemic shut down the industry. Um, not virtually. I mean, it shut the industry down. Theater arts workers were out of work for 10 months. And it's not like we could go do our job somewhere else or do curbside pickup. We were out of work. And so post-pandemic, it is more important now than ever for folks who love theater, love live entertainment to, to support not just us, but every theater organization in the city. And so... Um, the conversation about what our vision is, what our focus is, what we want to do sort of in a structural way is exciting because I think it reinvents the nonprofit model. But what I want people to know is that we're programming really cool stuff that I think you're going to really enjoy uh, and walk away 
furthering that conversation. And, and frankly, that's really what it's meant to do. I can tell the passion in your voice about this. So, <laughs> so if the listeners also pick up on that and they want to get involved, they want to help, or they want to find out when the production starts and how to get tickets, give them your website and your information again. Sure. It's www.crescentcitystage.com. CrescentCitySage at gmail.com goes to, to all of the co-founders, so you'll get to all of us. And then each of us is Michael at CrescentCitySage.com, Liz, L-I-Z at CrescentCitySage.com, or Yana, J-A-N-A at CrescentCitySage.com. And on our website, we have a, a newsletter sign-up. Uh, we'd love to have your uh, have you sign up so that you can be in the know when we announce things. Uh, and then we've got the donation button with all of that information, as we had talked about, of just some examples, representative examples. And then um, the the how do you, how you can support us page we think is is pretty robust and uh, it goes beyond the you know give us five dollars or buy a ticket. There's lots of opportunities. And what's great about us is that we're um, we, uh, we we get to develop from the ground up. And so, as you had said, and I'm grateful for that, like, if, if you have an idea, we're, let's talk about it because there's, there's got to be a way to collaborate because we think of, we think of arts in the kind of global sense that we're all art. I mean, this is art, you know, doing this recording, what you're doing and this WRBH, it's all an art form. And how can we all be artists in the way that suits us best and get involved? Well, if you're listening and you can you, you can tell that the smooth sound of his voice. So, you know, he was a former reader here and maybe we can get him back at, to do more of that again. But definitely you want to go out and, and see this, these productions, see the uh, passion in these actors and watch them uh, perform how they do their craft and show you what great actors that we do have in this area and how they perform in theater. Because as you mentioned, most people are more into TV and movies and Theater is just, I think, as we've talked about, just so much more difficult and and you need to be well-trained to be in theater as opposed to, as you mentioned, daily memorization and then memorize again the next day. Mm -hmm. So it is impressive. Thank you. So uh, once again, I want to thank you, uh, Michael Newcomer, for your information on Crescent City Stage. It's been great having you today. Thank you. I really appreciate the time. So folks, if you want to get more involved, uh, go to their website, uh, find out more about Crescent City Stage and support these actors and put them back to work after being off uh, during the pandemic for so long. So you've been listening to WRBH Reading Radio for the Blind. This has been the Public Affairs Show. I am Carl Arredondo. Thank you for listening.